Welcome to the latest episode of Platform. Sorry it's been a while since I've done one of these. Today's guest is John Starr. There's a special place in my heart for John Starr because he featured in the first skate video that I actually owned. I'd seen a couple of videos before then. I'd seen like Hoax 3 and Crown Jewels, but VG4, Puppets of Destiny, was the first physical VHS that I actually possessed. And I wore that thing out until there was like lines appearing on the screen. And John Starr had a mini view in it. He had a really good trick vocabulary even back then. He had a really stylish unity, one of my favorite grinds of all time. Um, and he was pretty handy at just basically doing all-rounder tricks. So, you know, he could wall ride, he could gap, he could grind. He was one of those early skaters that could pretty much handle any terrain. He was sponsored by Medium and K2. And then later he would end up being sponsored by Rollerblades and he was in the physics video, Masters of Delusion. He also had a joint section with John Hulio in Adventures of Mr. Moose Knuckle. And I think towards the end, he was helping John out with Valo at the start. And then I think that's kind of where I lost track of him. Um, I'm not entirely sure if he kept skating after then or what happened, but recently reached out to him. He was up for doing it. So I'm very excited to talk to him today. Before all that though, Cue the music. The platform, platform, platform. The platform, platform, The platform, 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 Hello, hello. Hey. How's it going? It is never usually that seamless. I'm I'm kind of shocked. Normally it's like the video won't work or it's like turn to the side or something. So I'm I'm impressed. Um the the golf question yesterday now makes sense now that I just saw your your profile picture. Oh yes, yes. Uh yeah, I enjoy golf. It's during all this COVID. So I had never played and a lot of my friends play. Uh so they got me into it. And so Okay. We just had a, a lot of time on our hands. So I started playing a lot of golf and then, uh, we're also a part of like this, it's almost like a fantasy golf group. So we bet on golf. So the open championship just wrapped up and Cam Smith won, but, yeah. um, yeah, but like, it's basically a pick them and then, you know, there's winners and losers. I think I just got third. So I think I got my money back. Okay. So that's become like your, your, uh, COVID lockdown new passion or, or what? Yeah, it's like really, really hard. It it does remind me of skating in a way, um, in the sense of like it's highly repetitive. So like each, you know, each club, there's different ways to approach and swing every individual club. So yeah. it's like each club has its own set of tricks in a way. And you know, skating like you'll do a trick over and over and over and over and thousands and thousands of times, and that's essentially what golf is. It's like you just have to keep going at it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to golf when I was a kid. I used to go golf with my dad. And then he hit me with a golf ball when I was standing like almost parallel to the tee. I didn't actually realize that was physically possible. He sliced oh, yeah. it so hard it just went right into my thigh. And I was like, I'm done. This sucks. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> doing this again. <laughs> I saw a video today of a guy who went to drive the ball and it hit himself in the face. I don't know how that's possible, yeah. but I just saw it. Yeah. yeah. No, at least with skating, the only person responsible for my injuries was myself. So that was, yeah, that was fine. 
<laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Am I right in thinking you live in Oregon now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a little south of uh, Portland, okay. a little town called West Lynn. So it's that's beautiful a, out here. That's a long way from California. Mm, not really. We're the next state up. All right. It's, okay. You know, it's I'm still on the West Coast. It's like a, what is it, a two-hour flight. Oh, so like, not that far. To, okay. to, yeah, it's pretty much anywhere in California. Right. Maybe one hour to the bay. Yep. So what what led to you moving there? Uh, let's see. Like I've lived in California for like 38 years and I was working and saving money and trying to buy like a house and uh, just couldn't get ahead of the California prices. You know, like they were outpacing my ability to save money. But then also I didn't want to sign myself up for a mortgage that was going to be too expensive. Yeah. You know, I just wanted, so I wanted to find a deal essentially. And so we got a beautiful home up here in Oregon okay. and I don't feel like um, I'm mortgage poor. Right. It's, yeah. something, it's, something I, it's something I can actually afford. Yeah. That is the, that is the scary thing. Like when the bank's like, Oh, you can borrow this much money. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't know if I want to be in debt for my entire life. That's exactly right. They were like, Oh, you can have all this money. And I'm like, no, I can't. Like <laughs> I'll have a heart attack. Like just trying to pay that every month. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's grim. Um, so yeah, we've jumped incredibly far forward. The first time I saw you was in VG4. It was literally the first video I owned um, not long after seeing Hoax 3, and you had a mini part in that. Now, yep. you were wearing different skates in that section because you were wearing K2, and I'm pretty sure you were wearing maybe Rollerblade? So, maybe yeah. TRS Lightning or something? So that must have been before you... or. Yeah, so I think around the time that was like K two. Yeah, exactly right. right. Um, I used to ride the TRS Lightnings, right? And yeah. then somewhere along the line, uh, Tom Heiser started hooking me up with K two skates, and okay. and then shortly thereafter, I think it was like that section and some other stuff. Um, I became a K two rider for some years. Right. Yep. Were you were you on medium then as well, or was that later? Yeah that all just kind of happened really, really fast. Right. Yeah. It was like, I was on medium. I was on nine, seven, six. I was on K two. I was on 50, 50. Um, yeah. It, that whole time period was wild. So I used to live in San Luis Obispo and right. like, I grew up with Jake Elliott and like, we essentially learned how to skate together. And then that was with my mother. And then I moved to San Jose with my dad. And then when I moved there, that's when I met John Julio and Robert Guerrero and Donnie Garcia and Jason Reduta. And like, we all, and then, yeah, it all just started moving really fast just based on probably hanging out with Julio and having exposure to everyone. Right. Jake Elliott is an incredibly hard man to find. He, I don't think, he, I don't know if he uses social media. I've been trying to find him for a while because yeah, he was one of my favorites to watch in the nineties, but He's a, he's a, he's a tough man to track down. Yeah. I, he's like, he's a lot like me. He's a bit of a recluse and like I, I chat with him occasionally. Like he's, and like you said, social media, he doesn't really care to use it. I think the okay. way most people do, like, I think he uses it for his photography and that's about it. Right. Oh, he's a photographer now. That's okay. I, I, oh yeah. It's, it's been it's for so a funny, really, yeah. really long time. Yeah. So many skaters just get into like 
like artsy jobs it's quite it is quite interesting that it makes perfect sense it's like yeah. all those years of having pictures taken of you and then you start dabbling with taking pictures or like videographers right you learn how to roll around with a camera and then all these little companies i mean they're all very small so then you get people who need graphics and websites and yeah. all this stuff so it's like you start to wear many hats that i mean that's how i got into what i do yeah yep. definitely yeah i don't know i'm i'm assuming you know who richie eisler is he was kind of he was, oh yeah yeah and um, i think he said it like basically being in the rollerblading industry prepares you for all these different transferable skills because you end up becoming like a tour manager and an organizer and like a team manager and a photographer and yet like you said like a videographer or a graphics guy and you end up doing like all these things that I don't know, in a bigger industry or with bigger companies, there would that would literally be one person's job to just do like each of those tasks. Exactly right. End up exactly doing, like, right. Loads of them at once. Yeah. Um, so obviously when you get into skating, it was like when it absolutely exploded all over the US. So how did and you know you weren't the first generation, but you you came along like not too long after the first like you were like a couple of generations deep, but the the actual distance between you and the people who started was only maybe there's only like maybe a five-year gap or something like that in terms of age if, yeah if that yeah, yeah you're right like the the age gap was very small yeah i'm like generation 2.5 i would say <laughs> like something like that um right. like i kind of straddled this line in between people but yeah so I obviously discovered it by like seeing it on TV and then randomly saw some kids in the street just jumping off a ramp and was like, yeah, I want to do that. How did, how did you stumble upon it? Yeah. So let's see. I've, I've skateboarded like my whole life since like first grade. And, um, and I was always into just anything kind of action sport related. So I would surf and I would wakeboard and mountain biking and BMXing everything. Right. I just loved it all. Okay. And and I was into sports. So, you know, I grew up swimming, wrestling, football. Um, so I was pretty athletic. But anyways, uh, my friends, my neighbor friend, he was like, oh, I got, you know, these hockey skates, essentially. He's like, you want to come play roller hockey? I'm like, oh, yeah, let's try that out. And so I went over and he had an extra pair of skates and we we're playing roller hockey. And I realized I didn't really like roller hockey, but there was all these bushes. And I instantly was like, hey, can you jump that bush? Like... I wonder if I can, you know, I was pretty good on roller skates already. So it didn't right. take me long to be okay on them. And yeah, next thing you know, we're jumping bushes and things like that. And then um, we started going out like every day and it'd be like, oh, let's jump down these stairs. Right. There was no grinding yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then um, I was like, okay. So then I invested in my own pair of skates, some, yeah, some lightnings and um, that skate shop had dare to air. Okay. That, yeah. So I was like, oh my God, you could do all this stuff on skates. I was like, that is awesome. So then it became like studying dare to air and like, what are they doing? Can we do that? Let's try yeah. it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, so then we were grinding or whatever. Then the hoax came out and it became my Bible. Like I will, I've still to this day, probably watched that video more than any other video ever like and it was yeah it's a very good recruiting tool because it makes it makes rollerblading look well you know i've obviously been doing it for like over 25 years so obviously i find it very exciting but that video makes rollerblading look a lot more exciting than it maybe is in real life yep yep star experience yeah i was trying to hammer out like i don't know the exact dates of like 
when I even started. I think I was rollerblading when I was like 12, something like that, I think is around when I started. And then, but th this is how early the days were, right? Like I would get lightning TRSs and we had this curb and we would grind on it all day long, this like red painted curb down a hill. And we'd wear the rivets off of them, yeah. off of our skates, and then just mail them back to rollerblade and be like, your skates broke. And they would send us new skates. And we were able to do that for seriously some years before they were like, look, dude, these, these skates are not made for that. And it was like, oh, all right. So then you start altering your skates to try and make them last longer. That's a good hustle. I can't believe you got away with that at all. Like, Because I don't even remember when, yeah, I think the first pair of skates I had were like uh, Rosie's Rooms or something like that. And I'm, I remember mm -hmm. it saying like on the packaging, like any... It was like any um, manipulation or modification to the skate instantly like voids the warranty. So as soon as you try to put like, I don't know, a heel block or something, basically anything to make it more. Well, only once they started saying no and not returning my skates, that's when we started putting like blocks and things right. on them. But in the beginning, it, you know, it just had the fin and we were grinding on them. And that's what I'm saying. It was so early. They didn't quite realize what, rollerbladers yeah. were doing right they didn't get it yet but i'm sure they started seeing an uptick in people returning these skates and they were like oh okay now now we get it that is yeah that's pretty funny also i looking back on that i i genuinely can't believe that well you guys in the states and us anywhere were doing handrails and stuff like that with essentially no sole plate and an uneven and an uneven like grinding surface because none of the skates had like even they didn't have sole plates and it was the heel was always like higher than the front yeah. so you're, you're grinding on like the like the you're, least ideal surface for like, yeah your soul your soul basically is on your toes yeah you know you're like tr trying to get a lock the frames were too tall right like everything was just so wonky the frames were also so flimsy yeah um and even for a long time like once we're doing like alley-oop soles on handrails so sketchy because that fin would bind on the rail and just shoot you off backwards right like yeah i don't know kids have no idea how easy they have it now with purpose-built skates yeah well there's well that there were some tricks that were easier like backslides and stuff like that because you could basically just sit as far back on it as you wanted and never slide out yep. because there were no backslide plates but yeah the, like soul based grinds it's definitely a lot easier on modern skates yeah a hundred percent um so like obviously you start how did you start like appearing in all these videos and getting all these sponsors then because i know that i'm assuming mm. john was like the first person to get exposure out of you guys because he get he got noticed in like hoax tours. It, it actually yeah, yeah 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 so i knew of john julio like i was like oh my gosh this guy is so stylish and amazing he was doing you know things that blew my mind um and yeah, I believe that was hoax two, or was it? See, I get so confused. Or was it Mad Beef? No, it was hoax two. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. My memory's kind of it's one of those. Anyway, yeah. Neither, neither here nor there. Um, me and Jake were doing our thing in our area, and then like we would skate uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo a lot, and like other kids would travel there and see us, and you know we were getting pretty good at skating. And then we heard about this kid, Dayton Cooper Smith, who okay, became a yep. friend. Yep. And we heard about him. And um, in our little town, there was a skate shop and they knew we were good at skating. So uh, they sponsored us, this little shop called Sports Crazy. And then they started sending us to um, like contests and things. 
But anyways, uh, I don't know how it happened, but um, Dave Payne heard about us like in our little town and he was coming up to uh, video us. And this is the VG3 timeframe. This is when Jake got his profile, right? I broke my ankle, no joke, like two or three weeks before Dave Payne showed up. So I had a broken ankle and he comes to town and then Jake went off. Like he skated out of his mind. He was like, he had a shot and he just went for it. And I was so bummed because I was just like, I wanted to skate too and I couldn't. And I was like, that's a bummer. But I kind of made that connection with Dave Payne um, right then. So I hadn't met Julio yet. Uh, He comes to town. He films Jake Elliott. I kind of meet him, kind of get to know. So now we kind of have an in into like videos, right? But then we went to this thing called the Sea Otter Classic um, up in Monterey. And that's, I think, the first time I officially met uh, John Julio, Dayton Cooper Smith. Um, Ezekiel Anderson was there. Um, Don, I believe Don Everett was there. Um, uh, Zach Webby Murphy. uh, There there was all kinds of kids there, right? But so, and, and for somehow John had heard of us as well. And we, I don't know, we just clicked instantly. And during this time period, I was about to move to San Jose. And he's like, no way, you're going to move to San Jose. He's like, I live in Milpitas. I live right there. He's like, give me a call when you get to town and we'll skate. And I was like, yeah, awesome, right? Sure as shit. I moved to San Jose on like day one. I call him and he just comes and picks me up and we go skating. He had his car. And he would pick me up almost every single day. And it was just wild to me. It was like, he was so nice. And just like, we had the same passion. He's like, let's go, let's go skating. Like, sometimes I wouldn't even call him. He'd just show up, pick me up. Where are we going? Let's go skate. Right. Okay. That yep. is, yeah, that is pretty awesome. Um, so how did, like, how did the whole like, sponsorship thing, like with, uh, because obviously you said that Tom Heiser hooked you up with K2. Like, how did you get in touch with Shane Coburn for Medium and stuff like that? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I there was some somewhere like this timeline is re- really early on. It's really muddy, but um, I would say the VG4 thing kickstarted everything for me. But then I took a trip to Los Angeles uh, and skated with like Randy Spicer and uh, Champion and Arlo, and you know I was floored like to see arlo in real life i was like no way this is insanity but we just skated a lot and filmed and um i and shane was there and uh brooke howard smith was there and like there was there was just a lot of people that i looked up to that i was like wow i'm getting to meet all you but like i don't know i think i left an impression and i ended up on medium yeah, and then shortly thereafter, because of that whole family, like the Senate family. Um, yeah, because 976 is essentially a Senate company. It was like a kind of shadow Senate company. Like they, yep. it was all the same yep. owners, basically. Yeah, and Medium, I believe, was kind of like... they. I didn't realize that till later, that Senate and Medium and all that stuff was basically operating out the same building. Like, yep, yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. And then once it once it became mind game, that's when it was split off in its own entity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it worked. It was just relationships and skating with people. And it was like, it was bizarre. All of a sudden I'm like in, I want to say 10th grade. Yeah. Like 10th grade and I'm getting paid to skate and I'm getting flown places. And it was just like, what is going on? This is crazy. 
yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What were your parents thinking about this? Because you said you started when you were like, what was it, 13, you said? Yeah, like 12. 12, 13. I say. So you're this little kid getting on flights to go skating with basically like adult strangers. <laughs> your mum and dad. I was. Hold on. I was a pretty, what, I was a pretty rough kid. Okay. Yeah, I was a pretty, pretty rough kid and pretty autonomous. So I would go skating anyways, and they didn't know where I was skating. Like yeah. sometimes you hop in a car and go hours away to skate, is, you know? Yeah, this is true. So at first they just thought it was like a hobby I had, which it was. But then like boxes and boxes, like I, I was getting like three pair of K2 a month right and i would wear right through them i was chewing through skates and uh frames or not frames yet uh but like grind plates and shirts and swag and everything just boxes are always showing up and then paychecks started showing up and my dad was like what the hell and he was like you're are you good at this and i was like <laughs> I, I don't know i was like i don't really know to be honest i was like it's fun and it's kind of crazy they're paying me and i'm in high school yep so, like i've heard stories about like all the k2 riders getting their own like essentially custom k2s i remember dave ortega had like pink ones and uh mm -hmm. had i'm pretty sure he had like an american flag paid or something something just absolutely wild did you did you have any stuff like that because apparently they just contacted the riders and said like what do you want yeah like i had so i had every colorway ever yeah. um but i do remember uh my favorite ones they were made of like reflector material Okay. So they looked, they looked gray. They were like gray. And I believe they had some orange, like almost like a yellow orange. And, uh, but when they caught light, they would reflect. Um, but every pair that showed up to me, I would ask for colorways and they would say like star balls on the tongue, you know, right. or, uh, or Hulk Hogan or whatever Tom would think up and just, he would just send them to me. And it was like, Oh, that's wild. I still have some of those, but they're at my dad's house, just like in the attic, like okay. full on, customs yeah some some people have stupidly tried to skate original k2s and found out the hard way that plastic doesn't age well over you know mm -mm. three or four decades <laughs> no it just shatters yeah, sometimes it, it shatters sometimes it just gets so mushy it breaks yeah cuffs just come clean off um i don't know if you know this but <laughs> you're your uh pro face wheel has actually become quite like an iconic thing thanks to yeah i, I don't know if you know the mushroom blading guys Oh, well, I mean, I know of them. I don't, well, they I basically don't like know them. hardcore promoted that wheel saying it was like the best flat wheel, like wheel to skate in a flat setup of all time. And they've now started their own wheel company and they've re-released a wheel based off your pro wheel. And they've just called it Faces and they've like done oh, kind of similar awesome. artwork around the side, but it's, it's literally the same profile. It's got like the curves with a little, the tiny little bit of flat at the top. Mm -hmm. It's like gum colored and i yeah. still have a bin of, i have a bin of those original wheels like i have bins of senate wheels and medium wheels and face wheels and just everything sitting up in my attic and different than a skate urethane does cure better over time right yes so those wheels sitting up there are fantastic like yeah you do know you do realize that if you've got original face wheels and like senate stuff you could probably pay off your mortgage no, they're not worth that much. Um, I, okay, there's there's like trade groups on Facebook where people buy like mint quality, like original skate stuff. And someone paid over $2,000 for a set of Cosmo wheels. Ooh, 
I should sell some wheels. And who was it? I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure Scott Crawford said he said he sold a set of wheels and paid for his flight from Australia to California for Blading Cup. No way. It's, okay. it's, if you can, gonna, if you can find yeah. the collector, some people are wild. Like it, obviously, it might not be those prices, but you can get yeah. into the hundreds. Oh yeah, I'm gonna sell some wheels. <laughs> You're like, that's weird. I need to go and uh, suddenly I need to go and check out all that that stuff I've got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all just sitting up there. I have, um, I have so much. Like, I have a couple pair of mint uh, physics frames. Okay. Um, and I have some that are like custom colorways. Those I have like the original crystal clear 5050 frames right okay, which yeah. which are terrible because they shatter essentially yep. but they look they look beautiful they'd be great for just like skating around uh skate companies are still trying to do that kaiser brought out a clear frame not that long ago and yep cracks pretty much every time yep yep yeah. to make it clear i think it's just too hard yeah um so you're on K2, you're on these companies, you know, you're a teenager. What were the what were the checks like that were coming in each month? Were they was that a lot of money or just like spending no. money? No. Uh yeah, like spending money. I mean, in the beginning it was maybe like 500 bucks a month or something like that in the in the beginning. It was like pretty small and then you get royalty checks and things like that. Um it did get substantial over time like it got to where I was probably making five grand a month. Eventually, um, I was not like top tier, like uh, some of the other guys that were pulling down some proper money. But like, I was like, that's so much money for me. Yeah, it was five, my job. Five, five it, it, grand a month is is no joke. Yeah. yeah. So, because you weren't really a competition guy, like I don't really remember you. Like, I hate skating, competitions. Yeah, skating no, comps I, I that much. It. I've. I've done some reflecting on all of that. Right. And I realized like, I like skating just for its nuance, but I also like it for its social aspect and my friends. And I realized like once I got sponsored and turned pro and all and like the responsibilities that came with it changed how I viewed skating. And I didn't like it because that's just not what I was good at. It's not what I wanted to do. I just wanted to like go play games of skate with my friends, try, you know, some crazy rails or ledges or find new spots. It was just contests were never, never my thing. Like, yeah. I'm just, I, I hate pressure, but like you put me and Robert Guerrero on a slider bar and we'll skate that thing for seven hours and try all kinds of different things and have a, have a blast. Right. And maybe do tricks that at that time were really, really hard to do, but it's just didn't have that pressure. Right. Like it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, there's definite expectation, especially when there's like a crowd of people and you're like, it, it just, it kind of takes you out of yourself and no longer feels like, yeah, it does. Like you mentioned at a session where, you know, there could, there could be 50 people at the session, but it's, it's just not the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. I was, that was never my jam. I mean, not for lack of trying, I got flown all around the country and like, I would do these contests and sometimes I do okay. You know, I won some, I, you know, my place top three, like quite a, quite a, quite a few times I'm traveling the world, but it was like, I'm never going to be John Bergeron who can flat spin a spine. Right. And I'm, and I'm just not like, I even look at those guys that do the mega ramp thing and that scares me to death. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah just when you see the perspective of like them looking down over the even just the quarter at the bottom you're like that just looks like a building that is that is like staring off the side of a building no yeah no no thank you <laughs> hard hard pass hard pass yeah yeah so, that's yeah. that's de- that does not appeal to me in any way either um john julio actually mentioned you not that long ago he was on there's a podcast called jump street podcast and they were asking okay. about like grinds that he's credited with inventing and yep. he mentioned the unity grind and I'm, I'm sure he said it was you him and robert were doing them one day might not have been robert might have got the third name i right. think it's Ra- it was randy bernal we were at a school called silver creek and it was like night it was it was dark and there's like some lights on and we were literally sitting just sitting there trying to be like there has to be more tricks that like we haven't thought of and i remember specifically like i was like just jumping so i was on k2 i believe in those days and so they had you know they're so good for backslides right but you had these two perfect grooves and i was like how can you get both of these grooves to like lock and just jumping up and crossing my legs and i was crossing my legs on it and I remember it so vividly. I'm like, boom. And I'm like, that that's weird. Is that weird? And John's like, what is that? And then he starts doing it. And then before you knew it, I think it's me, Julio, and Randy Bernal. And then we're kind of slowly skating up and crossing our legs and then slowly skating up. And we didn't know the ramifications of like the fact that you could, there's like unity and then an alley-oop unity and then a backside unity and then, you know, savannas and yeah. all, just all the variants. We had no clue. But it was fairly easy. And I would say probably, I remember the next night we went and tried it on like a four stair handrail, me and Julio, we were just me and him night session, just like, we were like, yo, we have a new trick. Nobody knows about it. Like we need to get this out there. And uh, I think he got it out there first on a United ad. Like he was the first one to get published for it. Um, it was, yeah, it may he not said- have been either. He said it wasn't United. That was like much later because he was on Cosmo at the time. But okay. he, he had an advert and I think it was in Daily Bread. And he said, he was like, I don't, you know, he said the only reason he gets credit for it is just because he was fortunate enough to have the image in a yep. magazine first. And he, but he was like, he, he said that you guys all collectively came up with the name. And that he was like, I'm not, he's like, I can't take full credit for that. That was, oh yeah. The name I think was Dave Payne. Dude, that trick was such a collective effort for sure. Like I remember that night so vividly and it's like, yeah, we all did it together first. Like just, we were just doing it. And then we started doing it like every day and we kind of hit it from some of our friends uh, for a little bit too, because we wanted to be able to like do it on rails when they saw it for the first time. And yeah, right. I think right after his, I had, I got my first unity pick in daily bread as well. And it was like, was like kind of a yellowy blue picture um and i was stoked and what was weird yeah it was, those days were a trip I, I was able to do them both ways like okay. it was just like and it was like it was a pretty easy trick to learn you know and then once you yeah. start to real once you get the variance then you're like oh i could do this backside you know and and then some people just liked to like 270 into it the savannah way right and it was like oh, i was never good at that one but it's, it's literally my favorite grind. It was one of like I think it was one of the earliest things that I saw, and I was like, I'm learning how to do that. Yeah, so it must have been really crazy to like start seeing something that you guys came up with in magazines, and then start seeing people essentially all over the world doing this thing that 
you know, you guys might not have came up with it first. There could be someone else in another city or another country or yep. whatever. But the fact is, like, you guys got it out there first. So yeah, I have the a similar one, which like I, I'm credited with. Uh, what is it? True Top Soy Owls. Okay, and it's and it's like I got I was the first public like. I got it in daily bread and box. But the most hilarious thing about that is they looked so weird in the beginning because you really have to torque your ankle and yeah. like get on there. And we couldn't decide if we even like, if it was cool or not, it almost looked like you were too, too like bent and weird. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I it's, mean? It's a very difficult stance. And it's one of those ones that, you know, whenever I, whenever I used to mess them up, you would just, eat shit in the like worst way i've never understood people that can do them and miss them and like survive you know like they can just roll it or they can like because yeah. i always tried to properly lean it topside when you miss you just get destroyed <laughs> yeah like it was weird at first and i think i was only able to do them because k2s the cuff was so mushy yeah so i was able to hit that stance and then i got better at them and i was able to like pretty much charge them but um yeah i got I got the first one of those in in both publications. That's, I have I have those magazines up in my attic too. That's pretty wild. Okay, I did not. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Also, now back back to back if to you what were you doing said. K twos. You must have been doing them quite early because you're obviously on rollerblade later. So, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Like this was almost the exact same time as the Unity thing. That's what I'm saying. We were sitting wow. around trying to figure out how to make up grinds. Yeah, I think I might have been doing TTSs uh, before the we were doing Unities. Even right. uh, I'm I'm unsure. I don't know the timeline. It's all a little fuzzy, but very early. Yeah, and then people took off with those and were able to do them so good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So. Some people definitely have those in the back. What were you going to say before I cut you off there? You, oh, were like, I don't know. you were like getting back to, I don't know. Um, um, so that must've been, you know, you're on K2. Did, did you guys do like team trips or stuff like that ever? Like what was, what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we traveled quite a bit. It was usually to contests and things like that. Um, then we had like the one weird one was Europe. Like we did like, I want to maybe a month, maybe two months in Europe, just traveling around, but I wasn't even 18 yet. So, uh, basically Tom Heiser was my adult. Like, you know, I had to sign paperwork and he was kind of responsible for, I think quite a few of us, him and uh, Matt, Matt lacrosse. Yeah. Right, like they okay, were yeah. just, yeah, those, those were good times, but it was weird. Cause I didn't have a lot of money either. And like, didn't have money just sitting around in the bank. So you're kind of like broke and starving and uh, traveling around Europe. And I didn't understand how expenses worked back then. And they're like, oh, yeah, just save all your receipts and expense us later for this. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't even have money right now. Like, How am I going to eat? And so I had to get them to kind of float me money for the whole trip. But it wasn't even that much. So I was kind of just starving that entire trip. <laughs> That's weird. So they, I've never really understood that. So it's like they, they take you on trips, but you don't. You, there was no like per diem or anything like that. So how were you like meant to survive? The per diem, right there? You, do, you do have per diem. But the weird thing is, is you pay for it out of your pocket, at least on this trip. It was like, you pay for it out of your pocket, you know your per diem and we'll pay you back afterwards. But I was like, what? I was like, yeah. I don't have enough money to float myself for months. Yeah, it, yeah, that, it all worked out. That Also, it's, it's really easy to understand how kids can kind of like 
I've heard the stories of, you know, Feinberg and stuff like that, like having like tens of thousands of dollars in the bank and just basically just like squandering it essentially, because, you know, if you've never had a job and you don't understand how hard it is to actually earn that amount of money working a real job, then it has no real meaning to you. It has no value. So if it just starts appearing in your bank account one day, then you're like, it's just a foreign concept. It's not, it's not. You're just using it. You're like, ah, I got this. It just keeps reloading. I'll just keep spending it. Yeah. I was the same way. Like it, it was a little weird. So what were the, what were the, uh, it must've been quite a while, especially in the nineties when rollerblading was so popular, it was basically the number one action sport for several years. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What was it like basically being like that guy, like in videos in magazines, you know, you, you were sponsored by the most popular brands in the industry at the time. So it must've been, there must've been a certain amount of ego involved in it as well. We are like, Oh my God, like, like, especially as a kid because your emotions are all over the place anyway so i could understand how it'd be easy for you to get carried away with it yeah like we i I would look back and say we were all jerks right like for sure (laughs) like you don't know how to deal with it like you're not you're not equipped you're just a kid who's skating and all of a sudden like people all over the world know who you are it's like how, how do i cope with that right like it's it really is a bizarre, bizarre concept. Um, I'm sure I went, I had some very jerky years that I'm probably not proud of, but now looking back, it's like, uh, I did also have, I was also cognizant of, I liked to do it, but it wasn't lost on me. It wasn't going to last forever. Like I was conscious of that. I was spending the money, but like I even, then I went and got jobs and I would like hold down a real job while skating as well, because it was like, this is what you're supposed to do. Right. Like, so I was trying to like, especially once I went into college, it was like, what do I want to do as a real career? Cause by this point I'm so busted up. I had like broken my right ankle. My knees are crunchy. I dislocated my left ankle. I've dislocated this elbow. Uh, I had dislocated this shoulder like a hundred times and I finally had to have surgery on it. Um, then this shoulder started popping out. Um, yeah, it was like, I, I started to notice the failure of my body and I was like, this is not sustainable. Like, what am I going to do with my life is kind of, and I think I started thinking that a lot earlier than most. I do. Yeah. Cause I remember there was, I can't remember it was daily bread or something. Um, but I do remember you briefly talking about that and I'm sure in the daily bread, you were wearing like a Nike tracksuit thing or something, an Adidas tracksuit. And and they asked you where you got it from and you were like, I stole it from a trade show. Probably, yeah, probably. I don't know. That's uh, so. Like, wild. it what what happened with K two then that ended up because you you became part of like the Rollerblade TRS team, isn't that right? Yeah. So okay. So I rode for K two. I want to say for like two years. Um, I don't know. I was just busted up, and I also started. I really was t- writing uh, USDs, like, and I was enjoying them, like a harder boot uh, on the side, and I think. Um, it just, you know, we just, my time had kind of passed. Like they were going more towards like uh, people who were really geared towards contests and I really wasn't, and it was pretty evident. So then I kind of went like quasi, I was like basically flow for USD. Um, and I did that for a couple of years even. 
And I was almost like, maybe I was going to be on the team, maybe not. And this is back when it was like the super team with like Petty and Julio and everyone. And I'm just like, and then uh, the rollerblade thing came around from Azikwe because we skated a lot. Right. But yeah, it's, yeah, it was like K2, USD and USD was flying me around. They like, I wasn't on their pro team, but they were sending me all over the place as well to like film and and skate and just hang out essentially and then uh i get hit up by rollerblade Th- those were good times yeah because they yep. they came out with like a ridiculous team like you were you're on there was adam kilgore frankie morales just when he was basically starting to blow up uh mm-hmm. fabiola they had like mike budnick as well and all. like that was a that was a massive team oh man we had some wild trips too like we went that, to europe quite a bit that's what I was going to ask. What was, just, what was that yeah. like? What were some of the what were some of the memorable moments from that? Because it kind of seemed like they were throwing money about for a little while. Oh yeah, and it was such an eclectic team. Um, it th- they were good good times. I mean, like most memorable is Italy. Like we did, I want to say like two, three, four weeks in Italy. Um, just like we were in Rome and Florence, Venice. And then we ended up in Montebelluna, which is where uh, United Colors of Benetton was, which they owned Rollerblade. And that was a freaking castle. And it was like with an actual moat. I didn't, I'm still just like this, essentially a kid who's just flipping out. But um, that was the most memorable. I didn't realize that was based there. Roses is based there as well. That's quite interesting. Like the Roses factory is based in Montebelluna as well. Okay. And then, uh, but most memorable, I'm an art dork, right? Like I love art and I love history. And so we'd go on these trips and they're skate trips with basically skate rats. But I'd always be like, no, like we're going to go to the Louvre. We're going to take a day and go to the Louvre. I'm not going to be here in like say France and not go to the Louvre or we're going to go to the Vatican and we're, we're going to see the Sistine Chapel and come on guys. And I would kind of, I would force people to do that. And I have so many pictures from those years of just being like, look, we're going to take a day out and like, who knows if we'll ever make it back here. And like, we need to see like what the world has to offer more than just like skating the city. Yeah. So That's, yeah. I can't imagine that was a popular decision among other teenagers. Cause I imagine like it's, it's kind of hard, well, it's hard to get most people into a museum at the best of times, but a bunch of teenagers, I'm, I, I would just picture them being like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go. <laughs> no, I, some people wouldn't, but I would kind of peer pressure be like, come on, dude. Like, and back to that, like, I knew it wasn't going to last forever. So I'd be like, we're here. Like there is some really historic shit here, you know, like the Parthenon and the Pantheon and like, you know, the, uh, what is it? That big ass stadium. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's like, you've got to see these things. Yeah. We just have to. Yeah. It just to have that kind of, I don't know, foresight or awareness that you're like, yeah, I'm in a very unique position here. Like I'm a teenager that's able to essentially fly across the world and see stuff that unless, you know, you have wealthy peers or, you know, peers that are like with parents who are financially comfortable, they're not getting to see that stuff. So I haven't. Yeah. It's like I, I've traveled for work to places, but like I really haven't been back to all those places that I forced everyone to go to. Like, and it's been a long time, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, when, when did I last go to Europe? That would have been like 2002, three, four, maybe somewhere around there. 
Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so how long were you on Rollerblade for? Because I feel like that didn't, I feel like that Rollerblade team didn't last very long until they, they dropped the entire like aggressive program, essentially. Yeah, I want to say it was like two or three years for me, for my part of it. Right. Um, yeah. As in, did you leave or were you still on the team when they basically got rid of everyone? Uh, no, they just kind of, I think over time we all just got clipped, right? Like, right. Uh, it was never, I didn't leave, but I was phasing out of skating in general. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so during this time, let's see, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I worked for Skate Pile. And uh, so that, I was working. I have other yeah. questions, and that now makes sense, right? I get it now. Okay, right. So you're in Atlanta. So I was, so no, but like, I was already, I was in college doing that. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was doing graphic design already and like web design because um, I already figured out like, oh, I really like this. Like I'm an art dork and this makes sense for me. And then Tom's like, hey, we already sponsor you. He's like, come out to Atlanta, Georgia and work for Skate Pile. Like do your design thing and you just skate with everyone out here. And so I was there for, I think, two years as well, um, working for Skate Pile and skating for Skate Pile and traveling and, and skating. And then right about when that ended, my rollerblade thing ended too. And I was like, uh, I'm going to move back to California, right? So I moved back to my parents' house. And when I moved back, that's when Julio hit me with the like, yo, I'm going to start this thing. It, it didn't even have a name yet. He's like, Rosie's going to we're going to spin up a whole new like skate thing. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Right. And I got to thinking about it. And uh, then I just started designing and I designed some skates and he was like, what? And he was like, how about you be the guy to like help me design skates? And I was like, all right, let's do that. I did not, I obviously knew you were involved in Valo at the start. Actually, no, we're not talking about that first because I, I want to ask about the Atlanta thing. So you're in Atlanta, you were sponsored by Skate Pile. Is that around about the time you were filming for the physics <coughs> video for Masters of Delusion? Would that have been then? I filmed, I, I filmed for the physics video when I got back to California. Right. I so, had been so busted up by this point. Like I knew I didn't want skating to be my job anymore. Like mm -hmm. I kind of, I phased myself out. It was like I, everything hurts and I just didn't want to get hurt anymore. And I was just kind of like, I really just wanted, and I had another passion growing, right? Which was design. And I was like, I was spending all my time just loving designing things. And I didn't care what I was designing. And yeah, and it's like, I you break my hands and I'm going to mess up my career, you know, like yeah. my future career. Yeah, it is, it's, I, I do find it, it's one of those things that you have to kind of like decide what's more important, especially when, you know, if you have a passion for, I don't know, even like music or something like that. And you're like, all oh, right, cool. I've broke my hand. Now I can't play guitar for like the foreseeable future. And you're like one passion's crushing the other one. And yet you can have to like weigh up what it is that you value most or what you want to pursue. Yeah. It was like, I was just so beat up and just the thought of like, yeah, breaking breaking my ankle again or dislocating more limbs was just less and less appealing. <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, if you're dislocating your shoulder all the time, that's just got to be, it's just got, you, it's got to get to a point where you're like this right enough and like my body is, my body is rejecting this. It's not. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, but skate pile days were so fun, you know, like hanging out with Kevin Dowling and Walt Austin and, Andy Cruz, 
Tom, Tom and Aaron Heiser and just, yeah, those were, those were good times. Yeah. That's also that Mike scene, McMullen. Mike McMullen is like, became one of my, well, he's also like, we became real close friends, you know, right. like, and we still work together. <laughs> it's why. Nice. Um, yeah, th- like that Atlanta scene, especially during that era, had some really big characters. Yeah, like you mentioned, like Walt Austin, you know, very outspoken individual, very opinionated. I agree with a lot of his opinions. Uh, then you've got like Kevin Dillon and stuff like that, who's this, you know, kind of comedy, larger than life character um, for the most yep. part. And yeah, obviously people like Tom Heiser and stuff like that as well. So yeah, that must have been, that must have been pretty crazy. Plus, I imagine you're working at the shop at the same time yeah. also kind of witnessing the downfall of the industry because that's that's where it hit everywhere it hit the shops before anywhere else because the sale yeah. figures just dropped off a cliff so what was what was that like yeah that's when it was a little weird because yeah the numbers were going down at at skate pile i didn't i didn't have a lot of insight into the financials side of that thing um, I know that they invested a lot of money in physics and I would say physics probably hurt skate pile pretty hard. Um, but, uh, I, I just missed California. So I kind of was like, I'm going to leave, you know, it's like, it's time for me to go home. Um, I stayed sponsored by them, but it was just, but yeah, you're right. There was a lot of weird infighting back then. I'm not talking about skate pile. I'm just talking about in the industry and okay. yeah, you could tell the financials of every company were being hit. Um, because everyone's just trying to get what they could, like from anybody. So you're going to have to elaborate more on what you mean by inf- what you like, what infighting means, like as in like brands, like trying to sabotage each other or. <sighs> yeah. Like just like there was just some industry drama going on back then, like okay. daily bread and the rates they were charging and for like, See, I don't, I don't have a ton, uh, like I don't have a big knowledge base of this. So it's like, I'm not really going to speak to it. I just know that there, that time period when like numbers were waning, popularity was going down. Um, you could tell it was stressing the entire industry. Okay. Yeah. So right. sorry, I don't have much gossip there and no, I don't want to misspeak and I don't want to misspeak about it. Right. Like, yeah, I just know that, that that was the vibe. Like there was the financials were being hit across the board, like on all companies. Okay. Um, yeah, that is, that's something I've always kind of found quite strange about the rollerblading industry, especially as it started to get smaller. It felt like all the brands were just trying their hardest to compete for the lion's share of a, like, of a like consumer base that was getting smaller and smaller rather than trying to make the consumer base larger, if you know what I mean. Like they were like, right, so we've got this tiny pool of participants. We want to be the biggest brand in this tiny pool of participants. And it's like, surely you should be trying to get more people skating instead of trying to just yeah. sell products to like the, the yeah, smaller yeah. number. So yeah. And it feels like Bladen's finally started to understand that because we do a lot of, we now have a lot of events which are essentially like demos. Like they, we, we try to do them out in the public eye, see, get more people like coming in off the street and seeing it as opposed mm-hmm. to keeping it like locked away in skate parks and, you know, just having these videos that we're only showing ourselves or we're only showing each other that, you know, other people aren't seeing like that's, that's not yeah, a market until if, if no one else can see it. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're like, you need kids and you, it doesn't even just have to be kids, but yeah, you need the exposure. You need people 
you just need to get people to get a flicker and be like, Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. That's pretty neat. Maybe I'll try that. Yeah. So what was it, what was it made that made you desperate to go back to California? Like what were the, what were the kind of, I don't know, cultural or social differences that you were like, no, I'll, I'll, I want to be back. Oh now. no, it was just, I'm from California. I have three brothers. I'm really close with my family. I missed my parents, you know, like just all of that. I would, I would fly back, but it just came more down to like me wanting to be back home. Like I just was, I was missing my people, you know? Okay. No, that that makes sense. Yeah. And then, so then the Val, like, obviously I know that Rosie's approached John Julio and said, you know, we want you to head up a brand for us. And then, but I, I didn't, I knew that you were involved in the start because I remember the advert with you and John, like in the street, basically like crouching down in front of it. But I didn't, I wasn't aware that you actually designed the original skates. So it was, mm-hmm. you came up with the concept for the skin. No, well, no. So we knew we wanted to skin the skate. Like right. that, that was kind of the thing, but it's like, now what, what is it going to look like? Right. And I made, I made probably like seven or eight designs and then Julio would, you know, there was a good feedback loop. He would like, we'd like certain parts, wouldn't like other parts. He'd be like, I like these shoes. Can we do something like similar, but not, you know, the same. And like, we kind of, it was pretty organic in that way of like us just like honing in uh, on the TV one and then TV two and then his pro skate. And yeah. And then some of my designs still kind of legacy kept going um, and just kind of getting iterated on. But yeah. Okay. Because I feel like there was a yeah there was it felt like there was a lot of influence from things like maybe I'm completely wrong about this but like K Swiss and like Van shoes and stuff like that and it felt like there was very very specific like shoe influences on on the skin designs. Yeah, there was there was definitely some influences, um, especially for his pro skate. It was like that shell toe yeah. look that he that he wanted uh, specifically. Um, yeah. Really, I was just trying to think about it as like, what would look good, right? Like on your feet and not really trying to like rip off anything, but it's like, and then this, and then it got really fun because you're working with materials, right? And you're like, where to build up material, where to reduce material, um, you know, colorways, um, you know, should it be perforated? Should it not? You know, like how, yeah, I still have in my attic. Like it's, it's sounding more and more like a treasure trove every time you bring it up. I have like a, I have the original uh, prototypes of the the first the TV one Team Ballo one skate up in the attic. And that's the first skate we we made, right? right like yeah. we all had pairs of them, like and we skated them. And so I had a pair that I beat up, but then I also was like, "Yo, I'm going to keep this" because I was thinking like this is like a portfolio piece. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, also. <laughs> Eric Bailey had an interview not that long ago with, again, Jump Street Podcast, and he was talking about th- there was a moment where it came down to two skates for Rosies, like to push to become Valo, and apparently they wanted it to be the cootie, and Eric Bailey was like, under my over my dead body, he's like, no, yeah, no, we're using that skate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, I want to, Eric Bailey, I think, was already on board before yeah. I was brought on even. Uh, it was like, Julio kind of had, uh, he might've been the most, like the foundational, like the first piece of the puzzle. I don't exactly know, uh, but yeah. And then it became that Rosie's, what was it? The Majestic 12 boot, right? Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, but I mean that's yeah. like that makes sense. It's an iconic thing. You're just you're just modifying it essentially. But the Cootie was a disgusting, ugly skate. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> and then, but the problem for me was um, I have like wide feet. I have wide feet, Same. and that, the Majestic Twelve does not fit my foot like for anything. Like I'd have to size up like multiple sizes just to get the width right, yeah. and. That was the one thing is like those skates started hurting my feet pretty bad, like pinching them. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I couldn't skate them without toe cutting them because I've got, yeah, I've got really wide feet. So it would, you'd toe cut the hell out of it and then, then it would yeah. make it bearable, but which is why the skin came in handy because the skin had the toe cut. So, um, yeah. So like aside, I, I, right. I always just thought it was, I always thought it was like Rosies that were, you know, designing and building the skates. You guys were just providing the input or like coming up with the branding and stuff like that. I didn't no, realize no, you actually no, no. were so hands-on with designing the skate. That's, that's really all of interesting. Us, all, yeah, all of us were. It was like I was the graphic designer, but yeah, it was the entire team inputting on like how we wanted the skate to look and the colorways and the materials. Yeah, uh, Rosie's had nothing to do with, with that, that part okay. of it. They would make them. They would make the samples yeah. for us. And maybe they'd have some ideas and kind of throw it back over and we'd be like, oh, that's interesting. And they would give us a new way to think about it. But um, no, the team, like we all collectively designed those skates. Wow. All right. Okay. Learn something new every day. Um, oh, I totally forgot what I was going to ask. Yeah, I just feel like I've always kind of noticed this about John. I feel like because Bailey was a surprising choice. Like Bailey came out of left field for John to just like select to be like Bailey was essentially, you know, the poster child of Valo at the start and for quite a few years until Brosco and stuff like that came on board. Yep, yep. And obviously Bailey's an incredible skater, but he wasn't really, not that many people really knew about him. And then all of a sudden he's like, not only the pro for Valo, but he's like, he's essentially the face of the brand alongside, like obviously it's Julio's like brand. Dude, right? well, but, the thing was, it's like Bailey was better than everybody for a really, really long time. Yeah. And nobody knew about him. Yeah. And it's like, that's what, that's what John knew. It was like, yo, because he could murder contests. He could murder the street. He's so stylish. He's such a cool person. And it was like, it's that John, that's like what John knew that I think he was like, yo, this guy is going to, he's going to do things. Yeah. Because he had this massive history in Bladen that no one knew about. Like no one realized that he was, you know, originally on Rosie's like in the mid nineties and that he was attending all the NIS events in Europe and he's been around since like day one. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) It's wild. And then, yeah, I think a lot of people just had no idea who he was. And then he came out of nowhere and was just absolutely insanely good at park, street, stunts, rails, literally anything you put in front of him, he found a way to completely annihilate it. Oh, he's wild. Watching him skate in person is outrageous. He's so good. I've I've been fortunate to witness it at least two or three times and he never fails to surprise me. Yeah. Um, And he's so laid back about it too. You know, he'll just be hanging out, having a good time, cracking jokes, and then he'll just stand up and go do something so outrageous. And you're like, like he didn't even have to get his mind right. He was just, he's like, set it and forget it. I got this. Yeah. 
That's pretty interesting. All right. So were you were you like traveling with Allo when they were like filming for the initial video or like the start or were you just, you know, kind of off to the side helping with the design? So I was in Northern California. I was helping design the skates. Then I moved in with John Julio and we were working on it. Um, we were traveling a bit around here and there. Um, I didn't do a ton of traveling with Allo. We did go to Germany once for like a month. Um, that was pretty fun for like Winter Clash and and all those sorts of things. But that that actual trip was like I had decided this would be my last time like traveling for skating. It was right. like I was still in that mode. Like me and John are friends. I'm gonna skate with him. Uh, he put me on the team, but I was also like I was like, hey, I'll be on the team, but I don't really like. I don't want to be a pro skater anymore. Like I just, I would, I just want to work with you kind of a thing, but he's like, no, 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 you're going to skate and you'll be, you'll do the like design thing. I was like, all right, all right. But when I got back from Europe, um, it was just like my commitment was not where it needed to be. And it was like, just use my spot for someone else. Like just, it just does not, it does not need to be me. I don't want to be that guy. Okay. So, then like what happened after that like did you keep living with john and helping out with the skate designs or did you just stop this everything? Is, this is this is when life came in fast is um i was living with john i met my future wife um so i was living with john and then we me and my me and my wife lorraine moved in together um and then i got a full-time like design job like a real one so that it's kind of like that's when i phased out of skating it was like I'm now going to go on this graphics journey. Like I'm going to, I wanted to just do that. So it was kind of like I parted ways with Volo and John and it was all good. I'm just like, cool. I'm going to go be a designer. And that it's kind of, it just happened really organically. It's like met, met my future wife, started designing full, like full, full time. uh, And yeah, now I got kids and, I've been married almost 16 years. <laughs> nice. It must have been hard, like, even though obviously, like, you chose to step away from it, you were like, yeah, my, this is coming to an end in terms of my body. I've obviously got a different passion I want to pursue. But the fact is, when you've been doing something for so long and, you know, the, the majority of your friendship base consists of people who you, you only know through that activity, it, it must have been hard because I imagine you didn't like lose friends, but like, as in you just lost contact with them or you just stopped seeing them as much because mm-hmm. you're no longer yep. participating in the thing they're still involved in. Yeah. It, it's definitely a weird feeling, right? Like the people that you would hang out with for like six hours a day, every day are now, yeah, you don't, you barely ever see them like now, but now it's really fun because you go and you see them and it's like time hasn't passed, right? You yeah. show up to a contest and you like, you have so many stories together collectively from so many years that it's like, what's up? Let's get a beer. Let's hang out, you know, like, and then the other interesting thing is like you, like how we started this entire conversation, like all the creatives that are coming out of skating. I am now reconnected with so many skaters just through like, design and cinematography and motion graphics and all that like we're now it's like a lot of other people eventually phased into having real careers and now we all like congeal on a professional front versus like a skating front so like start you mentioned mike mcmullen are there any other like former skaters that you've worked with and you know a design capacity or like worked on projects together 
Yeah, like Ryan Northway, okay. um, oh, Mike yeah. Martino. Okay. Um, yeah, there's who weirdly are both skating again. Like it feels like there's been a resurgence of guys from that era. Like they're they're both strapping on the skates and killing it. I'm noticing a lot of yeah, a lot of us older folks are starting <laughs> to get back at it. Mike never stopped, which is amazing. Like I love okay. it. Who who else? I've worked. I stay in contact with everybody, especially that like do what I do because you never know when there's a job opening and maybe they want to switch over. Or maybe you want to go over there. Right. And like yeah. just utilizing our network in a different capacity. Okay. I'm cu- I wonder who like kept up the design of Valo skates then after you left, if you were responsible for it in the early stages, like did John maybe take it up or John did for a while, but then it became Mike McMullen. He picked it up. Right. Okay. Mike does all of it now for the, for the most part, or he does a lot of it. Like, Still, I know day. he does. I know he's like heavily involved with them, uh, with them skates. But I didn't realize he was he was oh, working on them. It started, yeah. Early. It started with Volo. It started right. with Volo. Um, um, after me, I, I think it was still a while after me. There was a void, I think, where it was just kind of piecemeal. Um, I don't know who was responsible in that moment, but then Mike came along and started helping out um, a lot, and then he stuck with stuck with it, and especially with them. Okay. So who came? Who came up with like the speech bubble logo and stuff like that? Was like was that John? That, or you that was or, John. Yeah, uh, that was John. Yeah. Okay, because he's always had this uncanny knack of like getting people around him that just he, he seemed. John's always seemed like a good curator. He always seems to like find like the best people for the job. Yeah, John. John has a good eye. He loves, uh, you know, a good. He he has a really good art eye. Like, and he's always been like fashionable and, and like you said, like curation and culture, he loves culture. So. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause weirdly my old flatmate is, um, like in Scotland works for Clark shoes and now, oh yeah, now John is working with that person. Like, like, yeah, it's just so completely random that this, this guy I lived with like over almost 20 years ago is now working with John on, yeah, kind of like skate involved well skate related project i love the four dots i don't know if that was mike or john um but it was like pretty sure it was mike i'm I'm pretty sure john said in an interview that mike came like came to him with it and he was like yes that makes sense it's the most powerful mark i think like it's just perfect it's perfectly simple like killed it i love it yeah and it can literally be be manipulated. Like you can do anything with four dots. Like you can like make it any color you like. You can yeah. It, it and it's so it's very neutral as well, which I think works. In and its, it's just four wheels, right? Four wheels on your yeah. feet. It's so perfect. Um. So, like, at what when when did you like decide to move out to where you are now? Like at what at what time frame was that? Was that like relatively soon after like? Bladen ended or is, have you not been living mm-hmm. out there that long? I was in LA for about 10 years. Right. And I was, I was working through a bunch of like creative shops. And then um, I got approached by this company called Sapient Nitro to help spin up their design team up in San Francisco. So they relocated me and my family. By this point I had a daughter and my wife was pregnant with my son. So we relocated to Northern California up in Sausalito and, uh, did that for about four years and this is when everything converged again and then i quit that job because 
for just some very basic reasons. I was like, I know I could work for, I, I want to work from home. I want to be remote, you know, and the job that I had at, at the time, they wouldn't allow that. And I was like, all right. So I quit the job, you know, just hanging out, walking my daughter to school and just, you know, freelancing essentially. And then Mike McMullen hits me up and he had been freelancing uh, for Oculus, uh, you know, the VR headsets. All right, These yeah. guys. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was a little over six years ago. So he hits me up. I come in, I interview. Oculus had just been purchased by Facebook. Um, and I was like, cool, I want to freelance for you guys. Uh, and that freelance turned into a full-time position working in virtual reality for the last six years. Um, I just left like two months ago. Um, but what's amazing is Mike had been doing that for a while. And then he went off to do his own thing. He has his own art studio and he just wanted to like design other things. And I stayed for a long time and then I left. And now Mike has just accepted a full-time position at the new place that I just accepted as well. So we're going to be back together again. All right. Okay. So he's not running his own, his own like business thing. Oh, he, oh no, he is like his art studio. He's, he's an artist. He's always going to have that. But um, he has a baby on the way and, you know, having the full-time job and then still doing an art studio at all. You know, he's been doing this for so long. Like he's got, you know, he's a, he's a businessman. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, he's still skating a lot as well because they just released a, I don't know if you follow it, but they do a Sunday brunch series. Thing yeah, where they just official, have, official Sunday brunch. And they've yep. just got another, I think they've released like three full-length videos now. Like they've been, they've been busy especially considering it looks like at every session they're just hanging out and drinking <laughs> and that's how it started right just yeah hanging out with friends hanging out with friends oh but full circle how did i end up up here i went back to northern california i quit that job after about four years i freelance i was freelancing with oculus now and i was like i don't want to come into the office i'm just going to do this remote and they're like cool and then we bought a house off the internet up here and i just moved and that was it and so i've been here six years as in you'd never seen the house you'd just seen pictures of it and you bought it that's yeah that's a bold choice <laughs> oh it was so i was so nervous i um, yeah. flew up here I, I flew up here for the inspection uh but we got so lucky like my backyard it I backs mean, up it to, looked, uh, from, uh, from what i can see it looks very nice yeah but i would have been oh that's like, my front yard but i'd have been like what if like, you let's see back there is okay. it's basically it's basically a forest and um, it's a protected green space. So my backyard just goes into a forest and there's a creek back there. And nice. it's, this was a total fixer-upper. As soon as we got here, um, we started re- remodeling. So it's basically, we've remodeled probably 75% of the house now. Right. I mean... No, but yeah, it was scary off the internet. <laughs> if you get there and you're like, wow, those, those photos were really misleading. <laughs> It was very scary, but it worked out. We love it. We love where we live. Yeah. I mean, it's if, a great yeah, area. If you're in like nature and stuff, I've heard that that part of America is very, uh, yeah. If you're an outdoorsy type at all, that's, that's the place to be. So. And it also, it, yeah, it's crazy. It rains a lot here, but with that, you get the that, beauty, yeah. right? Yeah. It rains a lot, but it means our summers are super green and lush and beautiful but the rain can definitely be a little taxing after a while i mean i live in scotland we get rain all the time it was 25 degrees here today 25 degrees is like 
that would that would probably be winter in California, like twenty five degrees Celsius. But yeah. we were out in shorts and t shirt and like you know thinking we're going to die. So yeah. So you're on you're on I think the fifty sixth parallel, and I'm on the forty fifth. So yours is a bit colder, and your days are a bit longer than yeah. mine. But but we're pretty close up on the top of Earth here, or halfway up, right? Yeah, we're I think Scotland's like. Kind of the, get more the more similar climate to like Seattle, like kind of yep. style. That's well, that's what we have essentially. Like nine yeah. months of rain, we get snow. You know, we get all the things. As opposed to as opposed to coming from California that does not have seasons. <laughs> You're like no, oh, it's, it's all sunny. Hot. It's sunny, oh, Every, oh, and it's sunny. sunny. <laughs> oh, it's not going to rain. Shocking! Shocking! Yep. yep. I always find it really funny when you have these like especially when you see skate videos and you have these like, I don't know, these massive storm ditches and stuff like that. And I'm like, why are they there? Why are they like, you don't, you don't have the weather to justify these giant structures. Yeah, exactly. Right. But those storm ditches, when, a, when the weather does come through, like it's like a shotgun barrel. Like when they fill up, they are the sketchiest things ever. Right. Okay. Cause the water think... moves fast, right? Yeah. Like there's nothing to stop it. Like you, you put it in, essentially into a pipe and now it just flows as fast as it wants so right. they can get really dangerous when they do get when they do get water okay yeah it's because i've seen the 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 quote-unquote la river and i'm like that's not a river that's a man-made like water feature and i've never seen it even remotely full maybe i've just like not been fortunate but I've, it's always just looked like a stream yeah it's it's like a trickle it's like a disgusting <laughs> trickle <laughs> yeah i agree so when you're not working and doing the family life, what is, and obviously now you've just get into golf and that, that seems to be your new passion. Like what, what else do you occupy your time with? Uh, my, I basically turned my garage into a gym. I started doing CrossFit like three or four years ago. Okay. Um, so I do that to like help my limbs, you know, strengthen them, like try and, you know, try and fight age essentially. So working out, I work out quite a bit. I'm golfing when I can. And yeah, like just really just hanging out with friends, right? Like I have a whole crew of friends that I've made up here and, and like, we're pretty tight. So I'll probably see them later today. Kind of a thing. Like I'm getting texted as, as we talk. Right. Okay. Um, and just hanging out with my kids. Right. Yeah. So just living, living a slower pace of life out in the, out in the countryside, essentially. Yeah. Kind of, sort of just working. I, I love design. I'm always like designing things for friends and different companies. And then I have my full-time design job and I'm still just an art dork and I'm always tinkering with something, you know? So oh. yeah, like much, much slower Fam so family man. When was the, uh, like, have you been to any like blading events recently or like, cause I know that blading cup brings together like people, you know, venture out there not even to skate just to like hang out and catch up with old friends and you see you will literally see people from hoax one at Blue oh, yeah. like hanging out it's it's so bizarre even like brooke howard smith is like re did you go have you been i've not been yet just because fly international flying even since coronavirus is is just insane and like getting visas and stuff like that and it's also become incredibly expensive but yeah the, the plan is to, at some point uh, those were those would probably be the last events I went to, uh, but I only went to the I went to the first couple, and I don't know how many they're in. Like they've had now, maybe like ten. 
Oh yeah, they've got to be in double figures. Got to be now. Well, now they're doing two a year, so the the figures are yep. just going to rack up fast. Yeah. So I went to the first couple, and yeah, it was like a really fun reunion. And then I kind of just got just kind of buried my head into my life, kind of a kind of sort of thing. Right. So is there like did did you have any like lifelong friends from that period that have like you know obviously you've mentioned Mike McMillan and stuff like that, but anyone I don't know you just always stayed close to or was that just a kind of like transient period uh, like i've stayed close with like rob guerrero jason reduta donnie garcia all like my san jose family kind of thing like my skating family there yeah he's in um, portugal right now he's with yeah he's staying with ricardo lino right now or he was until recently yeah rob gets everywhere i don't really understand how. <laughs> rob rob is an enigma i don't know yes. he, yeah he floats. He's able to float around the world really well. Um, yeah, like Mike McMullen, Mike Martino. Um, I could I could be better about staying closer with a lot of people, but I don't. And then me and Julio, we don't talk much anymore, which is weird. But it's like we're both living our lives, right? He's doing yeah. them, and I'm doing my design thing. But I suspect we'll converge again one day. Okay. All right. Um, I've taken up enough of your time today. You've provided me with nuggets of information I had no idea about. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, this has been awesome. I'm glad we got the time to do it. Also, because I thought you just blanked me originally when I contacted you. To do it. No, I've, I've, I don't know, man. It's like, yeah, I'm not in that world anymore. So it yeah. always feels weird. Like when I get hit up to talk about it and it's like, well, probably not the most relevant person anymore to talk about this stuff. I mean, I do have some history base, but yeah, it was like, I was never the best at anything. I just liked skating with my friends and yeah. I, I See, I don't know. You've got an iconic clip that still does the rounds. I, I don't know if it was in San Francisco or if it was like somewhere near Embarcadero, but the Royale Alley topsole that you do on the curb and then you look back at your skate after you Oh landed. yeah, that- that still that still comes up from time to time. It rears its head, and I'm like, yeah, because it was one of the first times you see someone land a trick and be like, yeah, that was that was it. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> um, and, and, it, was, it was all so accidental. Who knew? But it's that's so that's what makes it that's what makes it work. Because later people would end up doing things like that intentionally, where they would come up with their own little gimmicks and stuff. And that was not a get. That was just natural because you had no awareness. You you weren't. Yeah. You couldn't yeah, possibly yeah, have known. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, um, also, you do know the, the key demographic for rollerblading right now is 25 to 35. So I imagine a lot of people, like pretty much anyone who watches our YouTube channel is over the age of 30. They're going to remember who you are. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's I probably maybe. I still have clips out there. I know. But it's, um Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm flattered. It, it's a weird thing to like that period of life. It yep. was just fortunate to have that happen and have those experiences. It's it's like being struck by lightning in a weird way, you know? I always thought it must kind of feel like when you reflect on stuff like that, it must feel like almost being in a famous band and then just like going back to your like normal life. And then every once in a while, someone reminds you that you used to kind of be a like essentially a, like a celebrity in your little like bubble for a while, like this. Like, yeah. Little thing. <laughs> it's always, it's, it's always a thing too. Like at my jobs, it's like, I don't really talk about that. 
right? Like, but someone will figure it out and right. then they'll post clips of me. And I'm like, yeah, that was, I, yeah, I did that for a long time. I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I, I think that's quite nice. It's something that you can just reflect on and go, yeah. And there's the video evidence there to look back on it. And you, you will end up being able to remember like those specific sessions or things that happened that weekend or that week or during that period. Mm-hmm. So I think from that perspective, it's, it's quite like a, a pleasant thing. Oh, it's super fun and random when it comes up, but I do get a little embarrassed because it's like, <laughs> I'm not looking for that attention kind of yep. a thing. Uh, yeah, I did that. Okay. Moving on. Let's talk <laughs> about something else. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not bringing out the skates. Don't ask. It's just, it's not happening. Just, just let it go. Yeah. Random, random thing though. Like my favorite clips that resurface occasionally, I think it's from like one of the IMYTAs. And it's uh, at the Embarcadero in San Francisco. Okay. Like after some reflection, I think I was in those gray Dustin Latimer thrones. Like in that time period, I think I was the best at skating. That Like there was that, there was like seriously like a two-year chunk of time where after some reflection, I was at my best moment. I think I remember this. Like, was that it's like was late that, late nineties, like nineteen ninety nine? I would say was that, there was a Royale three hundred and sixty Royale on a flat ledge. Is that right? Uh, I'm sure. I maybe, remember. Yeah, may, maybe. And it was the one that yeah, got shut was, down. It was the one that ended up in the Hyatt and got got shut down. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In that, like an alley fish, like three hundred and sixty sweat stance. I, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, yeah, things okay. like that. But the, I, I think back on the, that time period, the IMYTA time period too, is like I was firing on all cylinders. I had just gotten my shoulder surgery, so I was feeling fixed, like my body was working again for a while. Okay. <laughs> and I think that's how I ended up on rollerblade is because I kind of had my own little resurgence after going from like K2s and then the K2s you couldn't do torques in and it didn't have a hard enough boot, right? Yeah. So then it was like a whole new skate. So it opened up a whole new category of tricks, which was super fun again. Oh, so that was kind of a wild time. So it was like, that felt like the first time where Rollblading actually tried to take hold of its own destiny and create something. Cause obviously the X games were still going on. A lot of skaters were rejecting that. And they're like, Julio again was like, well, I guess we need to come up with, if we're not happy with the competitions, we're that are being given to us, we need to come up with something of our own that we feel accurately represents us. And that did, it's, 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 the, it's the most, it's the closest portrayal to rollerblading that is authentic in a competition yeah. setting. I would agree. Those were so fun. Like I never did great in those either, but they were so fun, right? Because they were a jam session. Yeah. And you really are just skating with your friends. And like, and if you don't do well, it doesn't matter because it's all laughs and you guys are having a great time together. And you may not be in the contest anymore, but guess what? I'm still over here skating and having fun with everyone else who's not in the contest anymore and yeah. just watching it. Yeah. Plus, I imagine I only, only ever went to two that were in Europe and one was in Amsterdam, one was in England. And they were basically, they just turned into a giant party afterwards because everyone's like hyped and excited and they're like, just want to drink afterwards. So you're like, it's, it's going to be a good time either way, even if you're not participating. Yeah, I think that all spawned too from that time period. Literally all we would do almost all day is play games of skate or pig or whatever, or horse, you know, and um, and John being the savvy mind that he is, him and Ezekiel were like, how can we make this like 
a big thing. And so the mechanics changed a bit, but that's how it all came around was like, we would just be like, the session would be done and be like, let's, let's just battle each other at tricks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those were, it, it was, a. I mean, it was destined to end because of course, you know, when you gather that many people around, it's just, it's, it's just begging for someone to take legal action against you when you're doing hosting essentially illegal skate contests. But um, even at the end, when they were getting permission, it was still they were still getting themselves into trouble because I think it was it was one of the colleges in California or something. We're like, yeah, we didn't we knew you wanted to hold an event. We didn't realize there'd be like thousands of kids. I think I remember that one. I'm trying to remember. I think it might have been UCLA or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that one was wild. And they, were, they like, were all so wild. I went to so many of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, they all looked insane. But yeah, that was yeah. Crazy. The, the Detroit one was always crazy, super okay. memorable. Yeah, what, especially why, that year that uh, Rob won. Why Detroit in particular? I don't know. I just remember it kept going back, and I remember having so much fun with that one because the level of skating was crazy. Chris Haffey was crazy. Rob was crazy. Oh, what's that guy? Jordan. Um, I forget his name. Um, he was able to do all the like negative tricks. Um, uh, I forget his name. Anyways, just the level of skating was crazy. And also I was super proud of Rob for just doing Rob things. And yeah, he won a couple. He won like, yeah, yeah. That's he like that time period. Like rollerblading was firing like people were getting really consistent and really good and it was yeah. so fun to watch yeah nice all right on on that positive thought we'll leave it there and uh yeah enjoy the rest of your sunday <laughs> thank you david right. this was awesome thanks for taking the time to do it all right bye bye <laughs>